Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 31 called Job's Final Appeal. Job 31.1, Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. How do you make a covenant with your eyes? The idea is a pledge. It's an agreement. Job, one writer says, had entered into a solemn and binding commitment with himself. He said, I'm not going to gaze or gawk at a woman in that way. Now, let me clarify. There's nothing wrong with appreciation of beauty God makes beautiful things and beautiful people. And I think sometimes it's ridiculous when we get so extreme that a guy has to walk with his head down and you know bounce into light posts and stuff like that. That's not what God expects of you. That's not how Jesus lived. But you all know the difference between appreciation of beauty and lust. I don't have to explain it to you because we all know what it is. And the the idea of the original language here means that you are looking at someone who you're not married to, who's a young, attractive girl in this case, with the intention of looking at her in a sexual way as to fantasize in being with her. And I'll leave it right there. That's what this is. And that's It's incredible because as old as the book of Job is, Job has an insight into the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus shared. Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've already what? Committed adultery in your heart. Isn't it amazing? That's how godly Job is. Now, you might say, well, why did Job right out of the gate start with this area of life? Did he struggle with it? I don't know. I would say a lot of men struggle in this area. Women struggle in this area as well. I don't know if it was his main struggle, but it may well be that he started here to point out his inner life. You see, your Christian walk is not just about what you do on the outside, amen? It's not just about showing up to certain places and having the right lingo and whatever and impressing most of the people most of the time. Your Christian life is about an inner life. God wants truth in my inward parts. And if I'm going to be real before God, I've got to let his searchlight come in and take a good look at this part of Michael. And this part of Michael ain't always pretty. You know, I can mumble on the freeway with the best of them. It seems like everybody's not in a hurry when I'm in a hurry in my car. Can I get a witness? What are you doing? What are you taking? That's why many of you have taken Christian bumper stickers off your car. I feel you. <laughs> anyway. You see, God wants truth in the inward parts. And Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, what? Now, it's not literal, right? I hope it ain't literal. <laughs> Pluck it up, you know, cut it off. But what he's saying is to take radical measures with sin. Here's something that I've noticed over now multiple decades of walking with the Lord and having similar struggles to many of you, especially in my early years, 
is that whatever I feed the most, I tend to crave. And if I start cutting off sinful patterns in my life, they start to lose their power. You cut off sinful patterns, they start to lose their power. It doesn't mean that you're not going to still struggle, but you will struggle less. But if you keep feeding the fire of those things, you keep feeding the beast, so to speak, then don't be surprised if you're struggling with it because you've been feeding it. You starve sin, it tends to die in your life. It tends to lose its power. So Job says each of these categories have kind of a penalty that he should pay if he were to do this kind of thing. In a series of three questions, one each in the next three verses, Job considers how God would and should treat him if he were to longingly look at a virgin. He said, what is the portion, verse two, of God from uh, above or the heritage of the Almighty from on high? Is it not calamity to the unjust and disaster to those who work iniquity? Does he not see my ways and number all my steps? Now, Job's so-called comforters agreed that God was just, and if he did good things, good things would come into your life, and if he did bad things, bad things would come into your life, and Job seems to agree with that, although that's been blown up by his experience, and we've been careful to say that even though, generally speaking, if you live a good life, good things will come to you, it's not always 100% foolproof. You could be doing good things at work. You could be the most honest guy in your company and get looked over for a promotion. And the the dude who's cheating and manipulating gets the promotion. What do you do with that? Sometimes the wicked do get ahead for a season, but I'm sure you've also noticed that eventually everything seems to come out in the wash one way or another. Did you just hear about the scandal with the Houston Astros who stole the World Series from my Dodgers? It's just a personal rant just for a moment. But it turned out that they were stealing signs uh, electronically from the scoreboard and you know heads have rolled and it's tainted the whole World Series. That was a great World Series, but it turns out that the, apparently the Astros, especially when they were playing at home, knew what pitch was coming. I can tell you with a baseball background, if I know you're going to throw a fastball and I don't have to worry about your curveball, I'm probably going to be able to have a higher average if I know what's coming. Well, this is kind of, you know, you see, well, they, yeah, they got the World Series ring. Yeah, there were celebrations. Yeah, they won it. But now, you know, things tend to to go that way. It's not a perfect system because it's a fallen world. But Job says, look, and this, I hope this will encourage you instead of scaring you. Doesn't he see all my ways? Doesn't he number all my steps? You know, from a positive perspective, sometimes we feel alone and we wonder, God, do you know what I'm doing over here? Do you know when I'm honest, when I could have cheated and lied like that guy or that gal and I didn't? Did you see that? (laughs) Because sometimes we wonder that, right? And will will there be any blessing that goes for doing the right thing? You remember when Hagar uh, was off in the wilderness and she had had the argument with Sarah and there was tension in the household and all of that. 
Hagar in Genesis 16, 13 calls Yahweh the Lord, are you not the God who sees me? You are the God who sees me. So I want you to be encouraged that as much as we can turn that into a negative and go, well, God sees all my ways, that's scary sometimes, but on the positive end, he sees all your ways. He knows. He knows when you suffer. He knows when you do the right thing and nobody was watching. He knows when you fight a temptation that everything in your flesh wants to do something dumb and you turn away from it and you don't go there and you don't tell the lie and you don't look with lust and you fill in the blank. God knows he's a God of seeing. He's a God intimately involved with us. Now, the second category is falsehood in verses five and six, if I have walked. And notice that idea of walking is all over the Bible. Walking means living. If I have walked with or in falsehood and my foot hastened or hurried after deceit, here's the result. Let him weigh me with accurate scales and let God know my integrity. Job had not walked with falsehood, but if he had, he says, I wish that God would weigh me with an accurate scale because I think I've been an honest man. And being, becoming an honest man is part of knowing the God of truth. God is a God of truth. He's not a God of deception. And honesty is the best policy. It's very true. If you're an honest person, it goes a long, long way. Let him weigh me with accurate scales. Sometimes I get on a scale and I wonder if it's accurate. <laughs> especially after all the holiday cookies I partook of. But that's another story. We won't go there. Anyway, if my step seven has turned from the way, Jesus is the way, we're to walk in the way, or my heart followed my eyes, or if any spot has stuck to my hands, let me sow and another eat. Let my crops be uprooted now Job is talking about falsehood here, and he says, look, if I've, if I've lived, third category, if you're taking notes, verses seven and eight, if I've been a covetous man, coveting is a kind of a, it's a sin you can easily hide because it's looking at other people's stuff or their spouse and wanting it for yourself, and want, by wanting it for yourself, you wish they didn't have it and you had it. Could be their car, could be their motorcycle, could be their abilities, could be their spouse. And the moment that you start coveting what belongs to somebody else, that's a sin. Because it becomes all about you. Rather than you rejoicing that someone else has these blessings, you can't be happy that they have them. You've got to have them. That's the, a sin of selfishness. And Job says, if that's me, I pray my life would be stained in such a way that it would be evident and that my crops, I'd plant them, work hard, but somebody else would eat them. That's, that's the judgment that I would deserve. Now remember, Job is defending his life, so he's not saying that he's done this. Now the next category is adultery, verses nine through 12, if you're taking notes. This is different from lust because lust is the action of the mind where adultery is the action of action. The classic example of someone who lusted, he looked and he lusted and then he fell is David. And at a time, this is in 2 Samuel, that kings should be 
Going out to war, 2 Samuel 11, David was home on his rooftop. He saw Bathsheba. He inquired about her. He seized her. He slept with her. And then the fateful words came, I am pregnant. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Or if any spot has stuck to my hands, let me sow and another eat. Let my crops be uprooted. Now, Job is talking about falsehood here, and he says, look, if I've, if I've lived... Third category, if you're taking notes, verses seven and eight. If I've been a covetous man, coveting is a kind of a, it's a sin you can easily hide because it's looking at other people's stuff or their spouse and wanting it for yourself. And want, by wanting it for yourself, you wish they didn't have it and you had it. Could be their car, could be their motorcycle, could be their abilities, could be their spouse. And the moment that you start coveting what belongs to somebody else, that's a sin. Because it becomes all about you. Rather than you rejoicing that someone else has these blessings, you can't be happy that they have them. You've got to have them. That's the, a sin of selfishness. And Job says, if that's me, I pray my life would be stained in such a way that it would be evident. And that my crops... I'd plant them, work hard, but somebody else would eat them. That's, that's the judgment that I would deserve. Now remember, Job is defending his life, so he's not saying that he's done this. Now the next category is adultery, verses 9 through 12, if you're taking notes. This is different from lust because lust is the action of the mind, where adultery is the action of action. The classic example of someone who lusted, he looked and he lusted and then he fell, is David. And at a time, this is in 2 Samuel, that kings should be going out to war, 2 Samuel 11, David was home on his rooftop, he saw Bathsheba, he inquired about her, he seized her, he slept with her, and then the fateful words came, I am pregnant. 
Now, what do you do? So David goes on this cover-up mission, and he tries to get the husband, Uriah, to come home to be with his wife so that they wouldn't have any suspicion that it was his child. But you all know what a disaster that turned out to be. And God's heavy hand was on David. And God essentially said, through the prophet Nathan, you had everything at your disposal, and you took this man's wife. What you've done is wrong. And David, truly, if you've ever studied the life of David, he never fully recovered from it. Never. He says, if my heart has been enticed by a woman, nine, or I've lurked at my neighbor's doorway, May my wife grind for another and let others kneel down over her. This uh, image is once again sexually freighted and you could even say it's kind of a brutal image. The idea of the first part of verse 10 is may my wife become the servant of another like uh, grinding for for him in the sense of uh, doing work, menial labor. He says, if I did this, Then my wife would grind for another man's grain, NIV, and may other men sleep with her. For that would be a lustful crime. Moreover, it would be iniquity punishable by judges. For it would be a fire that consumes to Abaddon and would uproot all my increase. Now, Job lost everything, so he feels like he's being treated as though he had committed sexual uh, adultery, but he had not. So again, you can see the the question. He's making an oath of an appeal of innocence before God. But he says, if I had done this, this would be a punishable crime. Now, in our world today, they have websites to tell you how to cheat without your spouse finding out. You can watch television program after television program where if someone cheats on their spouse, it's kind of like, it doesn't even matter anymore. It's like just to be expected. And if two people are sleeping together before they get married, that's like nothing anymore. So do you see that Job has a sense of what's holy and right and true? And he says, look, if I had done this, well, then there should have been a fire in my life. And the the book of Proverbs in a section that talks about sexual sin says, can a man take fire to his chest and not be burned? And look, the world is filled with enticements and people make mistakes. We We all have made mistakes. God is a God of mercy. But wouldn't it be good if our culture, and I'm speaking to the church culture, could get back to a sense of awe for the covenant of marriage? Wouldn't it be good if the church could lead the way, not in a dictatorial, beating people over the head kind of way, but just by modeling the beauty of a good marriage? The marriage that you're in right now is the only one you got. And God expects you, if you're in a current marriage right now, all things being equal, and I know there's all kinds of exceptions. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Some guys hear that and say, impossible. (laughs) No, it's not. The verse is there because it's possible. Now, are you gonna need all the help you can get? Yeah. Now, wives, submitting to your husband? Challenge, isn't it? 
But the Bible verse is there, and we can't extract it from the Bible. And as you submit to his leadership and honor him as a leader, and he loves you as Christ loves the church, what would that kind of marriage look like? Beautiful. It would be two people trying to do the best for one another. See, what we tend to do is we think, if only this, or if only he would change, or she would change, the only way change is going to happen, everybody ready? If you don't hear anything else tonight, hear this one. The only change you can control is your own. If you spend the next 20 years trying to change people, rot's a ruck. But if you say, Lord, change me, there's things that I don't like that are going on with this other person, but I can't control that. I can't change that person. So change me. And I know some of you have prayed that prayer. If I, verse uh, 13, and this is now, uh, I think, our fifth one on mistreatment of servants, you could maybe in our modern age talk about employee-employer relationship. If I've despised the claim of my male or female slaves when they filed a complaint against me, what then could I do when God arises? And when he calls me to account, what will I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make him? We're all made in the image of God. And the same one fashion us in the womb. Studying Ephesians and Colossians, masters and servants are both told, you have a master in heaven, so you treat other people with respect because they're made in the image of God. If you're an employer here tonight, treat your employees with respect. If you're an employee, treat your boss with respect. Job says, if I hadn't done that, then God would certainly be just to judge me. But again, Job is saying he did. Sixth category, lack of concern for the poor, verses 16 through 18. If I've kept the poor from their desire or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail or have eaten my morsel alone and the orphan has not shared it, but from my youth he grew up with me as with a father and from infancy I guided her. Would seem that Job took in both male and female orphans because he had a huge estate and he was able to supply for them. And when he had the disaster, many people suffered because of Job's disaster. You've been listening to Job's Final Appeal, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 31. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on the Apple Music app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, it seems like we are coming uh, away from the pandemic, and uh, we're hearing of less and less cases of COVID and less fatalities, and we praise God for that, and we're grateful that you know COVID seems to be waning. Normal life, at least in many places, is being recaptured and that's a that's a wonderful thing but we don't want to forget about those who made the ultimate sacrifice and let's not forget that you know we've lost people not just to covid but of course to many different things you know i can't help but think of our fallen soldiers or even our soldiers who come back wounded from the battlefield let's not forget about them 
We think about people on the front lines, uh, first responders, think about doctors and nurses, think about, you know, police officers. And I know that's been really, you know, a tougher and tougher job these days and a lot of tension going on in our country. But I will just say, as we think about Memorial Day, let's think about those who laid everything on the line with the best in mind. Yes, there are bad apples everywhere, but let's think about those who gave their best. And let's include also, can I be a little selfish? My pastor uh, brothers out there, we love you. And I know, brother, if you're listening right now and you're a pastor, sometimes you feel like nobody sees you. You only get criticized for not doing something that people think you should do, but they don't see the hospital visits and the times of prayer and when you have to run out of the house for the next emergency and how you deal with problems and it never seems to end. Look, I can I can relate. And it, it can be a tough job to be a shepherd. And I would just say, uh, just remember, my brother, that it's the Lord's church and he's going to see you through. And just my prayers, God, make us shepherds after your own heart. Hey, we'll be looking at Job's final appeal tomorrow, part three. We're so glad you're listening. This is Pastor Michael. We'll catch you then. God bless. And just a reminder, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events as well. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow on the station for the conclusion of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapter 31 called Job's Final Appeal. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.